1: In today's show, we'll be talking with John Cilio, CEO of Cilio Group. John is an award-winning author, trusted advisor, and leading speaker on managing privacy and reputation. Along with providing expert advice to media centers like 60 Minutes, USA Today, and Washington Post, he has worked with government and businesses of all sizes to empower his clients to take control of their personal and business data exposure before it's too late. John himself was a victim of a personal data theft that led to a loss of his business and two years of legal battles. He'll share with us how to start defending yourself, your family, and your business from being a victim of personal identity and business data theft. Good morning, Shy. Good morning, Craig. Great morning after a big weekend of football and all the activities all around the country. You know, today's topic being identity theft and how that identity theft rolls right into business and business data and the loss thereof. And I'm looking at a letter from the United States Office of Personnel Management. And OMP is informing me of malicious cyber intrusion that was carried out against the U.S. government and they result in theft of background investigation records and i'm one of those i feel so proud to be a part of this large group oh no they're they're informing me that now that breach included my social security number and and other personal information was included in the intrusion love it so it goes through how i can sign up to have my personal id information from id experts and free enrollment and This is the second one. I've had this also part of the target intrusion. So I got personal ID theft management company watching that one. Now I've got the ID experts watching me from this one. I got great coverage now. Well, now that you
2: have your own radio show, everybody wants a piece, Craig. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny. I just got my third... I think I'm on my, well, I should say it's the first, it's the first one of 2016, uh, but that would have put me almost at three within the last, let's say, 13 months. This is my third reissued credit card, actually debit card from Bank of America. Wow. Due to suspicious activity. So it just goes to show you that our data is floating around out there in the world and people are able to use it against us in so many different ways.
1: It's growing and the sophistication and the use of technology and the use of the Internet on an international basis to share data, to have data have a value internationally and to the sophistication of social engineering to be able to have elaborate scams, to be able to grab data without. Too much problem.
2: You know, what it ends up being is that, like so many things in the world of information technology, we just haven't caught up yet to what's happening in the world. And the more we become more connected, the more data management and data security, as almost like a personal core competency, really needs to be developed.
1: Yeah, and today's conversation really pulls together that element it really draws light on an issue regarding the alignment of how you treat your personal data and your personal identity, because that relates into how you're going to treat business data and business information. And the growing need to be able to enlighten and grow the knowledge of users, of personal data, and how the threat is there, what they need to be aware of, and what precautions they need to take for their own personal data, and thereby understanding the importance and relevance of the sensitivity of the business data.
2: It's a leadership issue, really, like anything else. Fundamentally, the business is a reflection of you. It's a reflection of your attitude and how you approach things. And really setting the right tone for your employees, they're going to follow your lead. So how you manage your personal identity and what you emphasize within your business is going to have a direct impact on how your employees handle their information as well.
1: And with that, let's welcome our guest, John Silio, business leader, international speaker, and author of the book, Privacy Means Profit. Good morning, John. Welcome to Business Owners Radio.
3: Thanks. It's great to be here.
1: John, I had an opportunity to attend one of your talks at an investment conference a couple months ago and thought our listeners would benefit from some of the topic areas you had addressed. By the way, to our listeners, if you ever get a chance to see John in action, on stage and in the audience, please do so. Or have them at your next industry meeting or conference. You will be impressed. John, I wanted to get into some of the areas of focus today regarding identity theft and data privacy and data breach and some of your personal experience. And along that personal experience area, you have an amazing incident in your past that really brings forward the importance of this topic area. Can you tell us a little bit of what happened a number of years ago?
3: yeah unfortunately, I've had a couple of incidents and woke up after two of them. The first one was kind of a garden variety i d theft, which is my identity was stolen out of my garbage shortly after a home mortgage transaction. I probably threw out you know copies of documents or or whatever. This was kind of before we were thinking of shredding and that type of thing. and a uh, a group called the The Cashmen picked up my trash. Instead of trash men, they pick it up uh, when you have a for sale sign in front of your house and took it back to a den of identity thieves who used my identity to to purchase a home in my name. And then they declared bankruptcy with my social security number, committed crimes in my name. It was was basically just a big banking mess. And at that time, I didn't make the jump from personal identity theft and how it related to my business. So I protected myself. You know, I froze my credit. I did some of the things that you need to do to protect yourself. I got a shredder. I, I opted out a junk mail, all of those things. But I didn't protect my business. And one morning, an agent from the Economic Crimes Unit of the Denver District Attorney's Office shows up at my door and tells me I'm being investigated for the theft of $300,000. And you know, this is completely out of the blue. I had no idea this was coming. It had nothing to do with my first case of theft. And to make a pretty painful story, hopefully short and and less painful, my business partner used my identity to embezzle from our clients as if it was me embezzling from our clients. So I was his cover. And it destroyed my several million dollar software company, a family business I had taken over. It cost me about $300,000 in the end. And just about destroyed everything that I had. So it was an incredibly impactful event and two or three years of court cases coming out of this to remain whole.
1: That's amazing, John. And the cost involved of losing the company and losing years of your time and the impact on the family.
3: How did that play out? Well, the yeah, the impact on the family was the hardest part. So we all, at some point in our life, we lose money. We you know we go up and down in terms of investments. Uh, everything of mine was gone. Everything financially that we had built up was gone. My job, my salary. But the real impact was on my daughters, who you know during this time I I was basically you know absent in their lives. And at one point, my oldest daughter, who was five at the time, you know said to me in effect. Why, why are you no longer a part of my life? And that's really when it hit that, you know, identity theft uh, doesn't just take numbers. It doesn't just take money. It really kind of redefines who you are. And that doesn't matter if it's uh, a personal case, like my first one, Or even a business case like, I mean, ask Eric Steinhoffel, the CEO of Target, if his life has changed since Target was breached. It literally destroys careers, it destroys investments, and it can destroy your life.
1: That's a tough thing to go through. And I recall that the source of this breach of not only your personal data, but also the corporate data was an insider.
3: Yeah. So on the personal breach, we think it had to do with a crime ring, but then we think there had to have been some collusion with the title company that we utilized or that they utilized in order to purchase a house in my name. So in that case, it was an insider. And in the second case, it was my best friend, my business partner, Doug, who I had started up a software company with, who uh, used my banking login credentials, my electronic access to documents my credibility with the bank, all of those things, to you know, to take all of that money and about you know, three, four hundred thousand dollars of it that we ended up paying back because he never paid a penny. He he went to jail and declared bankruptcy, and then we were left holding. You know, it was a business responsibility to pay these customers back, and I think that's what a lot of businesses don't understand is more than sixty percent of small businesses go out of business within six months of a breach. And the reason is we don't have the coffers. We don't have the the deep pockets like a Target or an Anthem. And we certainly don't have the level of security that they have got. So this really disproportionately affects businesses from kind of the $1 million to $10 million range that are smaller in nature.
2: How did you find the strength after, I mean, that story you told us about your daughter is just devastating. I felt like I was right there with you when you said that and... How did how did you find the strength to turn this into something else? I mean, this, this really became almost your mission now to get this out into the world through your publications and your speaking.
3: Yeah, and mission is right. I mean, this is my life's work and I don't need anything else because it's so important that we get this across. And the most honest answer of that, kind of the vulnerable answer is I had no choice. I really didn't have anything left. I had no investments. I had no job. Uh, My credibility locally was destroyed until it, you know, I became a local, you know, famous figure on ID theft and a national figure. And then people started to realize, wow, this was identity theft. And so, frankly, the night that this happened, my daughter, Sophie, came down and, you know, told me, Dad, you're not part of my life anymore. It was so devastating. I, I sat down that night and I wrote the introduction of my first book, which is called Stolen Lives. And I wrote for probably three weeks, 18 hours a day solid and researched and learned everything I could. And it was pretty sparse at that point. So it was a lot of primary research and it was really totally out of both necessity and out of desire to not have another mother or father or business owner go through what I had been through and, you know, to be so desperate that you don't quite know how you're going to make it to the next day.
2: That's an amazing story. And how do you think we're doing? I mean, you know, this has been your mission now for how many years?
3: This is my 11th year.
2: So in your 11th year and all of your research and publications and experience, how are we doing with protecting ourselves out there as individuals and as businesses?
3: We're lagging. I'll tell you what, my experience is not that unique in terms of it's hard to get people to pay attention. It's hard to get businesses to pay attention until they've been hit. And listen, we've all got a lot on our plates, particularly small business owners. I mean, you know, we're doing everything inside of the business, right? We don't have a technical staff. We got to go find the people to do that. We outsource it. We do it ourselves. We learn it on the weekends. And the reality is something that might happen is not as compelling to us and the problem is that attitude, you know, it's the same as, well, I'm not going to get insurance on my car or I'm not going to go for my health checkup. It's the same thing. If you don't spend some time preventing this, you are going to get hit. Every business at some point is going to get hit. It's just it's too profitable for the criminals. So the answer is we're still lagging. But the awareness is there. Thanks to the Sony breach, the Anthem breach, the OPM government breach, it's there, but it's much more in the larger sector than it is in the SMB world.
1: John, in your book, Privacy Means Profit, you draw the connection between identity theft, a data breach, and business's profit. Could you walk us through the linkage between those three?
3: Yeah. So they actually link in all kinds of ways. The first is if you're trying to train your employees on protecting your business information, honestly, they will not give a darn about it until they care about their own information. So the most powerful tools you have at protecting your corporate data is to get them to protect their personal data, their social security number, their social media profiles. That's kind of the vehicle for teaching people and getting them to own it or to buy into this whole privacy and security viewpoint. Beyond that, most businesses house some sort of information. So that might be financials, that might be the secret sauce, a a recipe or something that's proprietary to them, intellectual property, or it might be customer information. It might be data that is, again, ripe for identity theft. And a good example would be credit card information. If you're housing credit card information, credit information, health information, personally identifiable information, it's generally that data that is breached first inside of businesses. So at Anthem, it was our social security numbers, our addresses, our kids' names, our health information. So identity theft is the theft of personal information, but it can be done through a data breach And the profit side of it follows directly from that, which is the average breach across any size company costs that company $12.6 million. That could be a small company like mine, which of course those fees put it out of business or a larger business like Target that will end up paying billions of dollars and they're at the higher end of the average. So your profits are tied so directly to the data that you house And business owners don't see that connection always.
1: John, also in your book, you talk about a culture of privacy. What does that look like in a business and how do I build it in my business?
3: So in many cases, we have a tendency for the sake of what we think is efficiency to force ideas on people to have policies and directives when it comes to privacy Actually, the most successful way to do it is to nudge people. If you've ever read any of the work by Richard Thaler at the University of Chicago, is to get people involved in it. You actually make it culturally attractive. So this begins by you, the owner, or somebody at the top demonstrating these principles doing simple things like shredding, like protecting your social media profiles, like instituting clean desk checks for when the cleaning surface is going to come in. Are things put away? Are computer screens locked when you go to lunch? Are laptops protected when people are away from the office? Are they left in the trunk? Starting from the top down is this culture. And then you also feed it from the bottom up, of course. So you might have You know, a brown bag lunch or a speaker like myself come in and begin to educate on the personal aspects. How do you protect your passwords? How do you protect your mobile devices? How do you protect your social media accounts so that from both directions? (laughs) You can see that this is something that the company cares about, that the owners and executives care about. And that culture does a lot more than just having mandates of you have to do this, you have to do that. You're actually getting people to buy into this concept.
2: Do you find that there's a challenge with so many of the small businesses taking advantage, like large businesses are, of being able to store data in the cloud and interact with software as a service versus having a heavy capital investment and having to invest in local IT infrastructure. Do you find that a challenge in terms of trading the convenience for the security? And do you have some thoughts on some practices to help owners with that?
3: You bet. So all clouds are not created equal. Some cloud software for small businesses, for any business, is actually more secure than you can make it in your own office because you don't have the budget, say, that a salesforce.com has to protect the servers on which you have your CRM solution. So the notable thing here is you have to research the cloud service you're using. So for example, if you're using Dropbox to share files, that traditionally has been a low security option and there are higher security options. Uh, Spider Oak is an example that people haven't heard of. So before you simply decide to go the way that the rest of the world is going because you've heard of it, you have to research. You have to look at the privacy policy of that website. You have to look at the service level agreements. And kind of the main thing that small businesses don't do, they just give in to the convenience. They don't actually research the options before they go with an online backup service with a customer relationship management package like Salesforce. And frankly, there can be a very safe option and not so safe option. So you have to be smart, whether you're a big or small business.
1: John, there was another story that I really liked in your book. It involved Dr. Yamatori and Dr. Xavier. Could you tell the audience a little bit about that
3: one? Yeah, so in the story, Dr. X or Dr. Xavier is is kind of the bad guy and Dr. Y is the good guy. And it's an example of social engineering. And almost all of the breaches that we see, small and large business, have a component of social engineering or human manipulation. So it kind of using your brain chemistry against you. And what it demonstrates is how a social engineer, a fraudster, We'll get a little bit of information in one way and then use it to get more and more information to kind of climb up the scale of data. And in this case, the thief, Dr. X, went to a conference of doctors to find their marks, to find their targets, doctors that were easy to take advantage of and got to know them. They weren't actually part of the conference, but you know, started to develop that trust and handed off a fake business card. And then sometime down the road after that event is done, Dr. X, the nefarious one, calls Dr. Y and says, hey, I want some information on what system you use. We're thinking of switching to this new patient tracker system, and we notice that you have it. And so this conversation goes back and forth for you know for a couple of weeks. It's trusting, and it's good, and there's nothing – It's too divulging about that information. And the the Dr. X just works or the thief just works Dr. Y up this ladder of abstraction or of trust that, oh, this is a legitimate doctor. Of course, I saw them at the conference. They don't remember that, gosh, the doctor didn't have a badge or whatever. And pretty soon they're asking very technical questions of, hey, who's your tech support person? We'd like to talk to them. Well, having that information, the thief can then call back, not to Dr. Y, but to Dr. Y's assistant and say, hey, this is, you know, and gives the tech support person's name. You've got a problem with your system. We need to patch it right away. Your regular person from our company is out. We don't have your login information. You're going to be responsible if the machine gets infected. Can we have your username and password? And You know, after all of that engineering is done, this person is super ripe to be picked from the tree of data. And it's very easy to get the keys to the kingdom. And then, of course, they've got all of the patient data they download. And that's common in the medical world, the legal world, the financial world. If they can't get in because you've put up the right systems, they get in because you haven't trained the right humans.
1: I agree, John. And in your book, you even state that 88% of all data breach cases involve insider negligence.
3: Yeah, and I think that's really important to understand that this isn't always just somebody with bad intentions. Sometimes it's somebody that doesn't know what they're doing. And probably the most common case is social engineering. Somebody's wanting to get in the back door, doesn't have their badge, or their hands are full with boxes of donuts or whatever. You know, they're tailgating, we call. They want to ride in that door. And people just have never been trained that these type of things happen. And they let it happen. They pick up the USB drive that's sitting on the floor, and they plug it in to see whose it is. And it installs malware. It's You know, these are pretty common things. And once you hear them, your people you know, will be much safer, but they'd never hear them in the first place.
2: John, for the business owner, where is the best place to begin? Because there's two components here that we've talked about today that you really cover in the book. And clearly it's building this culture. And I know that starts with the owner first, But even to the business owner that maybe currently isn't doing a great job of protecting themselves against data theft, identity theft, and then of course has this whole secondary huge issue to think about is how do I protect my business better? So do you have some steps that you would recommend that people take to get started?
3: Yeah, definitely. A couple come to mind. The self-serving ones are, you know, take a look at a copy of my book that goes through a lot of this because there's too much to consume in an interview. Another is have somebody in to present to your people. That's what gets the culture started. Uh, I've not seen the online training program, the digital version that actually gets people engaged in this topic personally. Beyond that, I think one of the most important things that businesses can do is they need to have an external security audit. They need to have an IT company that is security-based come in and look at their systems, try and get in, penetrate the data, and see where the weaknesses are. Because it's different for every business. In one case, it might be anti software that's not up to date. In another case, it might be that you have a bad firewall or your Wi-Fi is at risk. And you really need to test that out.
1: That sounds great, John. Is there anything you'd like to leave with our listeners that they can utilize as a follow-up?
3: You know... I think some of the things that get missed is that a business hasn't gone and taken a look at where is my important data? They may not know what their important data is, but certainly, you know, they can hire somebody that helps with that. There are plenty of companies that do it. Hey, here's your most valuable data. And then they develop some standards around how that's treated. You know, can every employee get access to that or are there user access levels? And planning for this, writing it down, spending a day or two, I'm not talking about weeks worth of work. I'm talking about a couple of days that you focus on this. It can save you tens of thousands of dollars for a very low investment.
1: That sounds great, John. Thanks so much for being our guest on our show today. Is there information that our listeners can follow up on?
3: You bet. There's a couple of resources here. Number one, at our website, which is silio.com S is in security, <laughs> I-L-E-O, .com, just my last name. I've got books, DVDs, recovery guides, kind of the whole range of things there. And as well, there is a blog site there. If you just click on the blog button and we put up articles as frequently as we can with my busy travel schedule. And then there's one other thing that might be helpful if your listeners are interested. We do a series called Cilio on Security, SOS, which is a series of short two to three minute videos that breaks this topic down into bite sized, you know, somewhat entertaining little pieces that give them information. It's a subscription type service. And we do that for small, medium and large businesses if they're interested. And you can just get in touch with us uh, through the website. Thanks, John. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, it's been my pleasure. I hope I get to do it again.
1: Our guest today has been John Cilio, CEO of Cilio Group. You can learn more about John, including links to his blog and how to acquire a copy of his latest book, Privacy Means Profit, Prevent Identity Theft and Secure You and Your Bottom Line, on our website at businessownersradio.com.
0: Thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio. We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode along with links and offers in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com. We want to hear your feedback. Please leave comments on this show or suggestions for upcoming episodes. Tell your fellow business owners about the show. And, of course, you would love the stars and comments on iTunes. Till next time, keep taking care of business.